Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the Turbo Team Podcast. I am your host, Jake Brand. With me today, we've got Ben and Alex ready for another episode. How are you gentlemen doing? Chilling. I'm doing all right. Uh, Elbow kind of hurts. I don't know why. Why is your elbow hurt? Changing a tire? Changing a flat? I just told you. No, I I changed the tire. Yeah, I laid on the ground and uh, he held held the the, the flashlight. That's inspiring. I'm I'm proud of you for being able to change a tire. I'm a hero. (laughs) So, uh, Alex, how you doing? Chilling. Your elbow hurt from changing a tire yesterday? I'm very tired, but my elbow does not hurt. What I'd give for that to be. Well, we at least we got two healthy elbows on this. I guess four, four five, five. You have five. Did, do both your elbow. elbows hurt, Ben, or no, just one? No, one just one's going five one. out of six. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm gonna take half a Tylenol after this. I'll take those odds. So uh, this week we watched Eternal Which Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Was it? Uh, I think this is the longest title of any movie we've watched so far. I'm thinking, um, of, I'm thinking anything of anything. It's kind of long. Or Scott Pilgrim versus the World is kind of long. As Scott Pilgrim, I think it is. I feel like there just had to be something. As far as like, like syllables, we got to go by syllables. Let's go through the Spotify and try and find it. How full it feels in your mouth. I think Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind is probably the longest time. Yeah. How many uh, syllables? It it, it just doesn't flow very well. Yeah, it feels like feels like you're speaking with a just mouthful of marbles while saying this. I about always screwed up. Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Got our vitamin C today. That was the best. <laughs> that's the bit. That was the worst time to say. <laughs> that's the bit right there. Uh, that was off the cuff. So this film is directed by Michael Gondry, starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Mark Ruffalo, and everyone's favorite Elijah Wood. Iowa I- native. Everyone's who, favorite Elijah Wood. Who looks, <laughs> who looks just incredible in this movie. Pride of Cedar Rapids. So the the bad news that I talked about before the podcast that I wasn't able to get into until now, uh, we weren't really able to escape Jesse Plemons that much in this film. So Kirsten Dunst is married to Jesse Plemons. Oh, I knew that. It was at like three degrees. So what you of... felt? It, <laughs> you felt a Jesse Plemons aura by exposure. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I still didn't. felt his presence in this no, movie. Did, Kirsten yeah. Dunst is married to Jesse Plemons. <laughs> yeah, good well, for Jesse I'm pretty, Plemons. I'm pretty man. sure. <laughs> isn't Jesse Plemons like a lot younger or something? Or I don't he, know. he seems like it. I Have guess. you ever seen Friday Night Lights, the TV show? No. He's in it, and he looks completely different. He looks like any 17-year-old kid, but he just completely... Like, now he's, like, kind of fat and has a beard, and he just doesn't look like that okay. in the show. He and aged. We just can't escape. We just can't escape him. You're the range from Jesse. Uh, I can't escape him. But so, while well, I guess talking about Jesse, in a way it's related, this film was also written by Charlie Kaufman, which I think is probably more... Important than it being directed by Michael Gondry. It's a Kaufman I would film. say that because you can definitely tell that it was written by Charlie Kaufman, just uh, in the in the writing style. But before we get yeah. into that, Ben, do you want to take us through the synopsis of the film? Oh boy, I'm gonna do this one off the top and dome, and this is gonna be a difficult one to do. So I'm gonna keep it shortish. We should just we should just not acknowledge when you're doing it off your head because you always do it off your head. So we should just acknowledge <laughs> when you're not making. <laughs> yeah, it you up. always ask when you're not making it up on the spot. Is when we should acknowledge it. Uh, you you'll able to tell once I start talking if it is or not. Um, right. but Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind follows Joel, who um suddenly is thrown into a whirlwind as he is broken up with by. Is a longtime girlfriend Clementine. Um, things uh, are very jumbled uh, chronologically speaking, but it follows their breakup, working backwards from what up leapt, what led up to that breakup, including how they had met beforehand. It also follows a doctor who is in charge of the mind racing procedure that Clementine goes through in order to forget about Joel. Get that? Yep. <laughs> I got it. Also, it won, doesn't explain much. I won the Academy Award for Best Writing, so deservedly so. Yeah, so this uh, this movie is kind of crazy. I think uh, <laughs> kind of wacky. Hot take. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a goofy. It, film. It, it's a crazy concept, which I think works well 
for Charlie Kaufman when writing a movie. The the way that I would describe this is I'm thinking of ending things, but I actually care about the characters and the story in it. Nice. That that was my biggest takeaway. Also, you feel like you're going insane while watching it because like people's faces are blurred and like text. You kind of feel that way watching. I'm like thinking of anything. That scene in the library where like the books like keep disappearing and like the titles yeah. keep like disappearing. I was like, oh my god, it's giving me a headache. <laughs> so like right off the bat, I noticed that this film like seemed like it was shot lazily, but that was by design. Like there was a lot of shots that were out of focus on purpose. Um, there were a lot of shots like. I'm trying to think of one where I think Clementine was walking in the house and it looked like it was being shot through like two different windows with like yeah. screens on them. Yeah. Like that's just a terrible shot, but it, in a way it adds to the, to just the effect the of the hazy, like memory based effect. Yeah. On the entire film. The, the haziness yeah. of the film and really going back to, I'm thinking many things. There's a lot of, <laughs> you can tell that there's a lot of the same, uh, styles used in this, just of confusion through different shots and through, like misdirection uh, in coloring and all that good stuff. Yeah. Misdirection and like framing with the yeah. characters walking out of frame and their faces being out of frame for a second. Kaufman didn't like direct this, but this is like, it's very Kaufman. He definitely had his fingerprints all over well, script, it. Well, you know? script based, a lot of this story is uh, held up on the like different aspects of like seeing selective things when it's being shot or the set design. Even a lot of this comes down to and is very specific due to the writing. So that's why it comes off very um, attributive Cough, to his... yeah. Yes, that's... Yeah. Um, it really feels like that because, I mean, a lot of this is due to the writing because it's all very purposeful, like you had said. Yeah. Uh, any any thoughts? Um, I, um, just uh, first impressions, trying to avoid um, comparisons to I'm thinking of any things. Uh, what do you think of, like, the movie? Uh, sad. It was just, just sad. Just like the concept of it was just very yeah. depressing. Like there's nothing like. It gets more depressing the more you watch it too. Yeah. When he begins to like regret it after he realizes he's getting rid of like the good memories too. Mm -hmm. It becomes very, very sad. Yeah. I, I, I just thought, found the whole movie depressing. I thought that Jim Carrey, uh, played a better role than I expected. It was kind of like a just like going into it and knowing what the movie was about. I didn't really understand how Jim Carrey was going to, or I didn't know what he was going to do with it. And I thought that he was obviously like the goofy Jim Carrey at points that you can't really escape. Like when he was, yeah, a, yeah. when he was a little kid. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that like the dramatic scenes, especially the last one where he was talking to Clementine, um, just outside of his apartment. I thought like it, he just killed it with all the line delivery. And you could really tell that he was, just as confused as we are watching the movie and he was obviously very emotional and cared for Clementine a lot and uh yeah I think he does a really good job of really having that disheveled look about him where like he he looks he looks like a guy that's going through a lot you know and, like his face is unkept his hair is not combed you know he kind of has a droopy like look on his face I think he from the very start too yeah <laughs> right, like, right away very scroogey yeah. <laughs> Yes, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he, I think Carrie just knocks it out of the park with this. I think everything about him, you know, he really killed the performance. Uh, that being said, I think the comedy, I think the Carrie comedy that isn't it isn't needed. You know, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like that scene where he's like a child. Like I get it, and like it's fine. But like I just like we, you didn't need that comedy, especially in that part of the movie. You know, the comedy is coming from Elijah Wood and Mark Ruffalo, and you know, um, whatever the what's the other chick's name? It's not Emily Blunt. What's her name? Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Like in the in the Mary. doctor in the doctor Tom Wilkinson. Like that's where the comedy is coming from. We don't need like Carrie like Jim Carrey comedy from Carrie and you know um, whatever the other lady is. I always forget the ladies' names. Well, some of it, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Because, like, it definitely, like, when you see it, when Kate, he does those, Kate like, Winslet mannerisms and things, yeah. they're very few and far between, but they're kind of, like, wild. Yeah. I mean, when you kind of look at it, though, like, it's hard to, like, I mean, it's clear to see them as carryisms, but, like, when they're doing it, you could kind of just see it as, like, this, like, shy, very reserved person just being, like, very true to himself. But what it, that is, it's just super odd and zany. Yeah. But, like, not in, like, a... I don't know, like typical, like quirky kind of way. It's more just like a, whoa, he's just like odd and acting out in that sort of way. I, I could, I could see this being like a Michael Gondry, like, Hey, Jim Carrey, you want to do this movie? 
uh, we'll pay you well. And he's like, nope, not enough. I need to do like two and a half minutes of just my stuff. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I don't. I, okay. Okay. You I'm look, kidding. Look I'm over exaggerating. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It it's wasn't a, that a, bad. It's a funny joke. It's 2000, 2003. Yeah. yeah it, Ser- seriously, though, like Kerry isn't that guy at all. Like in real life. So have you ever seen like interviews with him like now? He's very like he does paints and kind of does his own thing. Like acting and comedy, it really isn't in his life anymore. That makes sense. He, he kind of just kind of does his own thing artistically. Which I think is really cool. Jim Carrey's a really cool guy, but yeah, but Carreyisms do get kind of annoying sometimes. Uh, what I'll add about it is not that it was just like it wasn't awful. I yeah. I didn't like it. I just thought the pacing of it was a little off because it was at such a tense and dramatic part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and while you're already trying to just figure out like, so they're so that <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> yeah, Ben about just dropped his mic. But <laughs> when you're trying to figure out what's happening and it's super dramatic, and then it just cuts to like yeah, just like a comedy movie for two and a half minutes, it just felt out of place and just I don't know. And all all the lighting in that mo- in that scene was entirely different too. Um, like I mean, that, like it very, was like, it was like 70s. Like that, like yeah. spotlight looking lighting. Yeah, it, was, it got kind of annoying at times. I thought just because it looked bad. Whenever but, they're in like the darker scenes, like the darker memories when things would start to fade and away, and it just looked like it was a big spotlight was the only lighting they used. I, I didn't think it looked good, but I also think that's like creatively was the point of it, you know. So I can. Do you mean specifically in that scene where he's? Uh, a memory to when he was a child or like just in the no like the scenes. scenes where they're like laying down on the ice and then she like fades away or something like that and it's like dark all around but there's one big spotlight on like you know whatever the center point is well yeah like that's just the purpose of it in a sense. well yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> like i don't like it but uh, obviously <laughs> i could tell like it was dumb but you could see that it serves a purpose i just think it looks bad i think it looks bad do you have any, do you have any other like first impressions from the movie necessarily uh, I think the premise is really interesting, and I think, I think, there's a couple ways you could have gone about making a movie like this. And I think the way they did it is the most realistic way possible. Where, like, once you get past all the bitterness for the other person you feel and all the bad memories, like as soon as you hit those like good memories, you really have to be like a strong little person to be like, uh, you just keep going, you know, because like like Jim Carrey wasn't. He realized this isn't what he wanted, and now he's like. You know, running all around his brain trying to uh, keep these memories. And so I think it's a really interesting premise. I think the way they went about it is very accurate. And especially like the way I like the I like the way it ended um, because they clearly didn't know who each other were and they kind of almost fell in love again. And then um, they find they listen to these tapes. The, the secretary that slept with the doctor like sent all the old patients the tapes so everybody could listen to these tapes they said. You know, before they had the procedure done of why they're getting the procedure done, why they don't like the other person, why they want to erase their memories. And uh, we hear Kate Winslet's, Kate Winslet's tape, uh, Clementine's, uh, Jim Carrey's Joel's tape of why they want to get rid of the other person. And it's a lot of this bitterness. And seeing them listen to these, that each person's tape while they're together, like you can clearly tell they're personally offended by it, even though they know like this isn't the other person. Like it was. Like, this was an old, like, this is an old, but, like, they don't know who each other are, you know? Like, they yeah. don't realize they dated before, and so I think it's really interesting listening to this, and at the very end, them realizing, like... Hero would turn out. Be like, yeah, we're gonna hate each other, but, like, right now, it's a lot of fun, and, like, if I'm willing to wait until we hate each other just to enjoy this moment now, you know? Uh, That's life. That's life, yeah. I agree. I mean, like, you could look at it at the very literal sense, but, I mean, it follows... The whole, like, movie with its whole, like, zany premise and storyline and everything, it, like, follows the, like, end of a relationship, like, very well. Like, mm-hmm. how work you're working backwards from, like, the moment where it ends and seeing, like, all the bad things that, like, led up to it. Yeah. But then as you go along, like, what, like, rises to the top is all, like, the better experiences. Yeah. And, like, that's what it ends up at at the end. And then at the end when they, like, listen to the tapes they confront the bitterness and like the conflict that they had had in that relationship if it's meant to be it'll be yeah yeah and then like at the end they're like even though they're evaluating the bad they also see the good and they see it all and they uh, agree to do it again anyways just because it was worth it yeah so it's sort of like it's not even necessarily like within the literal sense of the story it's also just like accepting the end of a relationship in general because you look back and like you see all of it and, like, it's kind of cliche, but it's, like, saying, like, I do it all again sort of sense. I think that's the biggest, like, takeaway I had of it, of how, like, of, I think that's the biggest, like, like, reason I think it was so real was because, like, they were, like, like, 
you know, I, I do it all over again. You know, I don't regret any of the memories. I don't wait. Like, I don't wish like that part didn't happen. I'll do it all over again just because I liked how it was, even if I didn't like the ending. And I thought that was really a really good message. Also, I think there's a whole thing on like Twitter and TikTok recently now that I've been seeing a lot <laughs> about people complaining about these type of movies because there's the, you know, the manic pixie dream girl trope. We see it oh. in like 500 days of summer. Um, I think it's like Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim chasing Alaska stuff like we've reviewed a couple of movies with that trope in it. And a lot of these people are saying like, it's not, it's, it's a very manly trope because it's not fair to women because it's like the manic pixie dream girl is like, idolizing the male i think they're saying it's like idolizing the male gaze or whatever and essentially it's like here's this girl that every like male character thinks like this is how i like make a happy life you know like she's gonna complete me you know she's gonna you know solve all my problems and stuff and that's just not true because that's not real yeah like, i mean women like are, we, we are people too and i think this movie does a really good job of like they show the manic pixie dream girl and like they show joel's point of view of how he thinks this is the girl that he's meant to spend the rest of her life with because all of his imperfections she you know rounds out but but then at the end but then towards the end we see you know clementine saying like i'm i'm my own person dude like i'm not just an i'm not an extension of you you know like like i have my own flaws and stuff too and like i'm not here to you know perfect your life you know because i gotta perfect my own i think i think it does it compared to like 500 days of summer where you know we don't really see that side from um summer's point of view we only see tom's where tom's like how could she not be with me you know but so I think that's a really good thing. This movie does really well. Kind of going off of your thing about like rounding out the other like character points. I mean, I just like thought of something like when I noticed when I watched this is like when they first go onto the ice and like the first like eight minutes or whatever. Yeah. How Clementine like instantly just sprints out there and then like runs and slips and falls. And then like Joel like gently like inches on and thinks that it's going to break and he's too anxious and he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like an instant display of sort of like the two character uh, personalities that they have and the differences that they show. Yeah. Sort of like you were saying about the different personalities. But, I mean, um, that's definitely a different, uh, an interesting thing to take. And I quoted it a couple weeks ago because this movie's been very prevalent in my life recently. But they were saying about how... Same here, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're uh, on the same boat together, man. Yeah, okay. But they were... Uh, the quote from Clementine where... It's a quote, so don't come at me. Uh, it says, uh, uh, "I'm just a fucked up girl looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours." Yeah, it's like I'm it's a, like that exact. Yeah, yeah. It's the the exact point you were making summed up, which I mean, like, is true in its own sense. That's trending on a TikTok audio right now, too. Actually, yeah, it is. Oh, I called it. Uh, but yeah, and what I was the point. What I was just trying to say earlier about how like there's sort of like this whole meta commentary, how like beyond the literal plot of the film, it like follows the emotions that comes with reaching the end of a relationship it poses interesting questions like is it is wanting to forget better than learning from yeah the like events and like becoming a person through it all yeah it, versus wanting to forget it all anyways um yeah it's interesting jake. any thoughts on either jake? of those jake yeah i mean i yeah <laughs> <laughs> you could just say yeah can get, we can pass it yeah, off to alex uh, go deep into it brother no i I agree with um, everything that Ben said, especially back to Alex's point of kind of like the, oh, I'll do it. I'd do it all over again um, type thing. I think that's obviously prevalent in a couple brothers on the Turbo Team podcast mm-hmm. life. But um, yeah, this this movie was torture and also therapeutic at the same time to be like, oh, yeah, I wish I could block out those bad memories. Um, but at the same time, the bad memories don't parallel to the good memories at all. Yeah. And that's not even in relationships. That's just in general. Like mm-hmm. if, if we, Life. yeah, if we went back and talking about high school two weeks in a row, if you look back at high school, there's obviously a lot of bad memories that I would black out yeah. if I, if I could, but there's also too many good ones that yeah. um, you'd want to keep. So I think that's just a good lesson about life where a lot of the time, um, good memories tend to, even out the bad memories, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really the shy guy, Citizen Kane, with all of the 2003 Manic Pixie Dream Girl setting the pattern. It's really is the nice guy's finished last movie, isn't it? Oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Man, I relate to Jim Carrey so bad. I'm gonna, to I'm the point go. where he gets the girl. <laughs> I'm going to drive out to a park and listen to American football. Oh. 
Yeah. Those guys are Elijah Wood in this movie. Yes. Okay. Lighten the mood. Uh, Patrick sucks so he much. Sucks. He's <laughs> awful. He's the worst he's person. He's terrible. <laughs> he's just like, he's unethical. He's creepy. Uh, he like cheats the system by like trying to like use everything Joel had said and just copying it. <laughs> it was so funny when he's like, had the backpack full of stuff and he's just saying the exact words. Like he's calling her, like Joel used to call her Tangerine. He's like calling her. he overdoes her, it. He's calling, he keeps, he keeps like, ref, like, he acts like that's her real name. <laughs> so funny. It's like a. It's like someone you don't really like that much getting in on one of your jokes and just yeah. constantly and using trying it. To make the joke himself. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, like, I think it's amazing just because he's so, like, weaselly and, like, just, like, a creepy. terrible, creepy person. Uh, I didn't even notice it, like, the first couple of times <laughs> I've watched this, but <laughs> when uh, uh, Mary first gets to, like, the apartment when they're doing Joel and she kisses uh, Mark Ruffalo, you can hear Patrick in the back going, hot. <laughs> 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 He like he like wears like googly glasses and opens the door and Mary's just like whatever Patrick and like comes in and like kisses him and then in the back he's just like hot. Oh, he's so creepy. He's, yeah, he's, he's the worst. He's got to be one of the. Like, I wanted to punch him the entire time he <laughs> was on screen. Anti Frodo. His only redeeming quality was it's Elijah Wood. Yeah, <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah. His sideburns were terrible. The soul patch was just awful. Gross. Uh. I mean, he was like at least four or five inches shorter than <laughs> Clementine. <laughs> the part, the part at the very end when she like goes home and he like is waiting for her outside her door and she just screams at him to like leave. Yeah. It was so funny. That, <laughs> I think that was Charlie Coffin's way of like relating to the audience because yeah. we were all feeling that too. And yeah. Like, How can we like articulate this on screen of telling Elijah away just to go as far away as possible? Well, that guy had been hovering. Well, like. Patrick had been hovering around Clementine for, like, the longest time. And, like, they'd only been, like, seeing each other for, what, like, a few days, like, under a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was, like, calling her nonstop. He was, like, leaving, like, 30 messages. It's so weird. Just because he's a very... And they're, like, making out in the library while she was, like, working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so weird. Uh, What about Mark Ruffalo and Kirsten Dunst? I thought they're... That was weird. That was weird. <laughs> I thought it was so weird how, like, Mark Ruffalo was easily, like, very clearly trying too hard. And, like, he was, like, I don't know, just, like, trying to, like, cater too much. He was being very, I don't know, attachy. That's what I was saying earlier where, like, I think they didn't need really a whole lot of comedy between Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey because Elijah Wood, Kirsten Dunst, and um, Mark Ruffalo's character were kind of, were, like, taking care of, like, the comedy duties. That being said, like, the part where, like, they're in Jim Carrey's head and he's, like, no, I don't want to lose these memories. I don't want to lose these memories. And then it cuts, and they're like naked, jumping on the bed, like yeah. on, like right on either uh, Kate, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kirsten Dunst and Mark Ruffalo, like either side. And each time they cut to them, they're each like lost a pair of clothing. Like, like <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is just like in his like underwear. He's got, <laughs> it's he's, so weird. It looks. I I just can't hard. believe Hulk would would take Spider Man's girl like that, Mary Jane. Oh, hey, yo, I understood that reference. We have to get one in every Same episode. Podcast. <laughs> that was the first one in a while. Uh, well, we, were, we didn't have, didn't really make one. Yeah, we kind of forgot. Kind of forgot we had the button. <laughs> drama, hey, drama no, at like play Batman. Drama in Avengers yeah, headquarters. <laughs> okay, stop what it. If, no, you only you you do if, it once and then you leave it alone. You don't dwell on it. What if Jeremy Renner <laughs> played Patrick in this movie yeah. instead? I could see it. <laughs> They kind of look alike, yeah. Jeremy Renner. Yeah, what if Jeremy Renner is Patrick? No, what I if like, Jeremy like Renner is Soul Patch? And make the character. I like Elijah. And make Wood the character even worse because Jeremy Renner sucks in real life too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys got anything else? I Mark, mean, Mark Ruffalo's hair. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's hair, amazing. Um, I thought that like you were talking about how like the like the camera being out of focus. Did you say like you really liked that, or that was just something that bothered you? But then you no, understood I liked it, it had a purpose. I liked it. I mean. They definitely had some, like, really cool transitions in here, too. Like, they had one where he was walking out of the uh, Barnes & Noble, and, like, the lights shut off from the yeah. back. And then yeah. once they were fully black, he, like, came in, and then he was in David Cross's living room. Love David Cross. <laughs> he was really funny in this, too. Oh, he was just, like, so, like, nonchalant. Because he just always wanted to smoke a joint. And then, like, the scene on the beach where he's, like, flying that big airplane. But he's, like, in his 40s, so it's weird, you know? Or, like, just when he was, like, it felt like so natural the way like he like was like bickering like with his yeah. wife and he was like uh, telling the dog to get off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, David Cross was funny. Uh, but yeah, going back to the to the part about like transitions and stuff being out of focus. Yeah. Uh, I think that if this was my first Charlie Kaufman, it's it's kind of unfair to call it a Charlie Kaufman movie. It's pretty much a Charlie Kaufman movie. It is. If this was my first one I'd ever seen, I think it would have annoyed me a lot more. But since I've seen I'm Thinking Vending Things and knowing that's his style, I kind of was able to pick up on it very early. Okay. Then uh, the, the style that it was going for. I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't have disliked it if it was my first Kaufman film, but I definitely would have been like, why are they making this so like complicated and weird? Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. That's it. Um, after this, we're watching Synecdoche, New York, where it's the exact same thing, but about death instead of a breakup. I got plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lakers Warriors. Yeah, Lakers Warriors are tip off in four hours. Oh, I got tips off in four hours. I've got, I've got, I've got to go to baccalaureate with Alex. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I really wanted to go to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I think it all worked well. Like, did the order throw you off at all, or like the chronological shifts? I mean, were you able to keep in, up in the with beginning? Which part but eventually, which? I got it. You know. Yeah, so yeah. Wasn't that big of a deal. And how it like follows like Clementine's hair. You could really tell like what part was which by her hair. So. You follow, like, three different segments of, like, the same timeline throughout, which was yeah. cool. Yeah, I wasn't confused, but I also couldn't, like, just write down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. right now the timeline of the movie. That's kind of where I was at. Like, okay. I, like, I was able to grasp what was going on, but, like, not completely. Did you see it, like, as a detriment, or was it just, like, interesting? Interesting, I thought. Yeah, it yeah. kept you more engaged, kept you... Uh, um, the characters were, like, never the same, because you'd... Obviously, you started at the end... Uh, and then you move back, so the character developments that they gained along the way were being lost, but you've already seen it as the viewer, so it was really just like an interesting dynamic to see them go from obviously hating each other, wanting to forget each other, hating each other, and then being in love with each other and having fun. Uh, seeing that happen like multiple different times was just jarring, but obviously made the movie work because it would, it wouldn't have been as effective if you just... I mean, if this was told yeah. chronologically, yeah. like if you went from them meeting each other and then at the end they just wipe their memories. It'd like, be a sucky ending. Yeah, it'd yeah. be depressing. No, but, it puts the whole like relationship in a context because of like how jumbled and everything uh, their feelings are like towards each other throughout the course of like the breakup if you're looking into it in that meta narrative or just like the actual um, events of the film because it's like a mix of good and bad and like that sporadic nature is something that you'll feel going back and forth between in the midst of a real life one. So I think that there's a lot here in the meta narrative and there's a lot that you really notice rewatching it, like keeping up with the different narratives and just noticing like specific shots that were of importance, like lingering um, uh, looks between the doctor and Mary or like uh, Elijah Wood, like dropping papers mm-hmm. and like they show it yeah. for like, a sixth of a second, but then that comes back later when his ma- when it shows his memory, and then it's showing everything from different perspectives, mm-hmm. which I think was cool. So this wasn't listed as a horror movie because <laughs> I don't think it was a horror movie, but there were definitely horror elements to it. I thought put that on the Blu-ray. Think about I'm um, thinking of ending things though. Like there's there's definitely like scary movie elements in that too. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. definitely all the scenes where the faces just look like thumbs. That was yeah. just like yeah. I don't I don't really get creeped out that easy, but that kind of chat like a little I hate me some thumbs. Gave you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, and the the scene where um, Jim Carrey was like. Oh, and Clementine's right here with me. And then he looked and it wasn't her. And then he like closed her in between two doors. Yeah. That was just like, <laughs> I don't know. There were definitely some like obviously horror elements to it. De- not a horror movie though. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's very, it's dumb. It's very terrifying thing, I guess, to be in the midst of like your mind deteriorating in that sense. Almost. Which is what a, he's experiencing, but I think it does it well. It very, very different circumstances, but it's similar to the father. Uh, kind yes, of yes yeah. just terrifying the disorientation yeah disorientation and just the loss of memory is it like that's i mean if that's not someone's if no one's afraid of that good for you but i think that's a pretty common fear for everyone to have yeah. probably not at our age but being disoriented sucks if you're yeah. woken up from a nap to, to like a phone, <laughs> to like a phone, to like a phone call or something and you're just like wait what what time is it man yeah. i always think this sucks yeah, you ever wake up from a nap? <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> uh, that was the, that was the re- relating, relatable 
moment of the podcast. So, uh, any other thoughts by anyone? Then you get a whole list. Uh, yeah, I got some other stuff to go through. Um, I don't know, just like there's a lot of different character things. Like, I think that it was important that they never show. Um, who was his uh, ex Naomi. again? Naomi. So Naomi. yeah, they always reference Naomi, but they never show her. So I think I think she was supposed to be in it, but I think they just cut her out because, like I said, Ellen Pompeo gets is credited with playing Naomi, but she's not in the film. I so. honestly think that's a really smart choice because it shows how like irrelevant she is to Joel's life. I mean, she always she's the like safe fallback for him to like come back to. She's like not necessarily like a super prevalent point. It's always just the like, well, I could always go back to Naomi, I guess. And like they always bring her up multiple times well, just to show begin- how this is very that's like the first like five minutes too where he says that yeah well yeah and it comes back like more than a couple of times too just to show like how like sort of complacent he is and like the temporary nature of the situation that he's in right now like he's sleeping on a futon and they like make a big point to show that and that just because like nothing's necessarily permanent it's just familiar for him and like that's just the, the kind of insecurity that he shows throughout the film when he's uh, uncomfortable with trying to find someone new and he drifts back to what's familiar and what's familiar is like his work. It's um, being with Naomi, I guess. Yeah. It's just like routines. And like, that's, I don't know. That also kind of plays into the dichotomy that he and Clementine have with your TikTok Manny Pixie dream girl uh, theory. Speaking of Naomi, have the Blackhawks of 2010 been on your mind lately too? Or just me? Uh, sure. I don't get it. Their goalie was anti Naomi. He's right. <laughs> Naomi. Naomi. Uh, I think I think a Naomi Watts, but Naomi. Uh, so uh, Clementines, vitamin C, you know, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's gonna be the transition. Is that your next point, Ben? <laughs> uh, no. Um, last point. I I don't know why I waited so long to mention this, but the music by John Bryan, his score is incredible in this like amazing that's what made me want to look up all of his work just because i mean he has very like quirky chord changes if you like well if you notice that at times quirky well you that's how you explain it i mean think about to like ladybird because he did the same score for ladybird yeah. too i like the score in this really and he cool. has like those same sort of progressions and um chord changes with the different intervals that they go between and the like frantic oscillators that he has in the back like if you listen like sort of like a little bit more in depth there's like reversed uh string patterns that come across or like different oscillating like piano keys do you ever hear that i no? didn't hear that but it makes no. sense say it again <laughs> there's just like okay there's like jumbled frantic like piano keys or reversed um string um draws that really give an atmosphere of sort of a frantic mindset that are given to Joel throughout and I think that's something that I noticed him yeah, like a lot. Yeah, talk to him. Yeah, I picked it up. I did. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah. First thing I no- first thing I noticed actually. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. Jim Carrey was in this movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was uh, just paying attention to the piano. I was, I was paying attention to the reverse it. string section. <laughs> <laughs> so uh do we want to get into ratings? Do you guys have any more negatives? Yeah, we, we didn't really, get we didn't necessarily get into negatives. We never fully got into negatives. It's a perfect movie, Ben. That's oh, <laughs> sorry. I give it eleven. <laughs> yeah, I, my bad. I I skipped negatives. Go ahead, Ben. Somebody. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always hated the Kirsten Dunst uh, Mark Ruffalo relationship in this. Oh, I loved it. I don't <laughs> actually. I, it, was, it, was actually hol- it was hilarious because he clearly was trying so hard, and she was like. No, I hated it because it was like a, trying a, too hard. A bit of an airhead, definitely. So, <laughs> and she was like totally in love with the doctor. Like, I don't know. I just I kind of get bored by that storyline in past uh, watch throughs. But maybe that's just because I'm nostalgic for the music and the sections that involve Joel and Clementine. But wait, so did Mark Ruffalo and Kirsten Dunst have like sex while they were doing Jim Carrey's thing? I don't know. They were naked at one point. Yeah, right? I was going to say, because they were naked at one point. That, and, like, I don't... Leave, uh, uh, determine and that she, for like, yourself. And then she, like, kisses the doctor. I was like, oh. They were just changing... And he's, just, he's watching outside. Yeah. They were just changing clothes at the same time, just on like, accident. <laughs> his honk was a nice save. Yeah. <laughs> smooth. <laughs> it was real smooth. Hey, how you burn? <laughs> uh, just make sure that horn works. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't look at that big window where they're very visible. <laughs> uh... 
I don't know. Like you said, I mean, I could see how like some of the like the Jim Carrey humor can be off-putting at times, and like it kind of is for me. But I mean, I'm able to. I see it in a different light at different points, though. So I think that it's fine. It's just sort of like one of those nitpicky things, as well as not really fully um, enjoying the Mark Ruffalo, um, crap, Kirsten Dunst uh, B plot. But I mean, in the recent watch through that I went through today, I found a new appreciation for it. So. I mean, it's definitely all right, but it's definitely, it's also not perfect, though. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. It's definitely all right. You didn't listen to anything I said before no, that? I heard that. <laughs> put, it, put it on I the cover. Uh, <laughs> my negatives, I'd just say it's just sad. That yeah. <laughs> Negative one of those, is that is sad. I think, I think it was the wrong time for you, brother, man. No offense. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a tough movie to watch, but I thought it was I good. I, I thought it brought a... I, even though it was sad that I still thought it brought a little hope and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, I didn't have very, very many negatives. Just the Jesse Plemons connection. <laughs> it's the um, biggest negative you had with the movie. Uh, <laughs> just Elijah it's, Wood's it's, existence. It's the French connection, but it's called the Jesse Plemons connection. I really want to like surprise us with a special guest one day. And it's just Jesse Plemons just to see what Jake, like that is never going to happen. Not when you, not when you why wouldn't, think like that. Why wouldn't Jesse Plummons come on the number one movie review podcast in Central Iowa? Yeah, come on, Ben. Oh. We're the True Routine Podcast. I know. Follow yeah, us on explain. Twitter. Follow uh, us at the True Routine Pod on Twitter. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, that, that's all my negatives. I, I, I really didn't have that many. I, I thought it was good. I, I've already touched on all mine. Um, nothing like super... I, Oh, Actually, wait. I forgot one. What? All the freaking piano keys out of tune and the in the in the jumbled music just <laughs> threw yeah, me the, off the, the whole time. The reverse string section, where it just it the really reverse threw piano. Off. Yeah, <laughs> took me out of the movie. You're trying to get an Adam Goldberg out of me. I won't let you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, big yeah. negative of the movie was Patrick. Yeah, just just Patrick. <laughs> he was all I could. So funny. I hated he him. Sucks. He's so funny. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, ratings, Alex. What do you uh, think? I'll give it an eight and a half. I, I liked it. There's a lot of good to it. Not perfect by any means. Definitely dated in a lot of ways, but I liked it. I'll give it an eight and a half if it didn't have Elijah Wood, but since it did, I'll give it an eight point two five. Eight point two five. Uh, I was jumbling between an eight and a nine for the longest time, uh, thinking about this, but I mean. Recently watching it, I mean, I found, like, a new appreciation for it, like, just now on, like, my fourth watch or something like that. So, um, I don't know. I really enjoy it. Nine out of ten. Nice. <laughs> yeah, good this, work. I think this is the first time Ben's had a higher rating than both of them. Both of them. <laughs> that is a first of all time. Maybe, maybe on Code Jam. Actually, no, no, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah, I gave it a ten. a ten. Yeah, okay, never mind. That don't count, though. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. this is more special. Yeah. Uh... So, Ben, do you want to take us... Or I guess I could take us through. If you listened two weeks ago to our Rotten Tomatoes game where Ben and Alex guessed the Rotten Tomatoes score of a random movie and the the winner the winner won. We're bringing it back because yep. we couldn't think of another segment for today's episode. So We're we bringing it back so and Ben's going to be... So much forethought on our part. Ben's going to be the host. So yeah. it's going to be me oh, against yeah. Alex. So It's going to be concise as ever. So you guys better get ready because we'll probably right. be doing this in two weeks again. <laughs> <laughs> Name of the game is that I'll list a movie and then Jake and Alex will both guess their respective Rotten Tomato scores for it. Um, it's whoever's closest, uh, Jeopardy rules, uh, if they're tied between distance, then the under wins. How many, how many are we doing? We're doing 11 and yeah. it's the best out of 11 cause these go quick. And, seven, and the winner gets to go against Nate magic if he answers the phone. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. All right. Um, we'll start off with Napoleon dynamite. Uh, I feel like this is going to be pretty high, but not that high. 83. Oh, that's going to be my guess. I'll go with a 77. It is a 72. Ah, oh, uh, yes. I almost went 73. <laughs> All right. Nice. Okay. Uh, now we got the Ed Helms uh, classic, Dr. Seuss's The Lorax from 2012. Oh, I feel like this is pretty good. I think it's mm, 92. What about it made you think it was good? Okay. Wait. So the Ed Helms one, is that the... 2012. Oh, this okay. is like in the 50s. Is that, no, it was, it was 2012. 
the uh, animated Lorax. Uh, it's the it's the minion. It's the minion animated Lorax. Yeah. The illumination. Oh gosh! By the company who had brought you minions. I hated that movie. Yeah, uh, sixty-one percent. It's fifty-four. Oh, fuck! I look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what was, was the last time you watched it, man? A long time. I remember. People, <laughs> I, I remember, watched it last night. I, I don't couldn't rem- sleep. I don't remember liking it, but I remember <laughs> other people liking it. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I look dumb now. Yes, you do. Shut up. Okay. Uh, then we got Airplane, the 80s classic. With the Kareem? Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Have you not seen the. Yeah, with Kareem. I'll go. I haven't seen it, but. You haven't seen. Okay, never mind. 91%. Uh, 90 or 87. I don't know. It's 97. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. 97. It's 97. I couldn't even tell you what that's about. I just know Kareem. Well, you haven't seen it. Well, yeah, I guess you haven't seen it, but. Yeah. Anyways. I'm going for the clean sweep. You are right now. It's one of the most. Popular. I'm movies. tired. I'm tired. So come back to us now. <laughs> if I lose, that's the reason. I could say that every week we do an Oscar contender. Shut up. Okay. Uh, what are the Rotten Tomatoes score for the 40 year old virgin? 73. Starring Michael Scott. No, 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 no. 85. Uh, I just saw Alex look at his phone in I between didn't look answers. at my phone. He's no, I'm not on my phone. <laughs> he doesn't have his phone. I'm kidding. Uh, Alex. We'll go. 72%. Alex hit it on the head. It was 85. Bingo. That, uh, you're roaring back. That's a pretty universally loved movie. A lot of people love 40-year-old version. Save the Office, actually. Oh, yeah. I remember that, actually. Yeah. So um, it's three to one, right? Talking about amazing movies, uh, we're turning back to Wild Hogs, starring John Travolta and Tim <laughs> Allen. I don't even know what this is about. I've never This is the this poster. Movie. It's when they're bikers. I've never. You heard remember of this, movie. this? I've never heard of that movie. You've had. Tell me, you've heard of this? It looks bad. I'm gonna go no. thirty. You never heard of this? No. Yeah, I'm gonna go thirty-three because it looks bad. I remember this because of how bad it was. Okay, what'd you say? Thirty-three. Jake, I'm gonna go forty-two. It's fourteen. Oh, Ellen, oh nice. Gosh. Yeah, it looks bad. It's terrible. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, thirty-two. Okay. Jake, Scared. Alex is at two. You're at three. Yep. I'm All right. Uh, next we got um, uh, Alex stars in this one uh, along with Army Hammer. It's Call Me by Your Name. Oh, this is gonna be this is a good one. Ninety one. Ninety six. Ben. It's ninety four. Jake wins it. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> by one. Wait, no, he's at four. Wait, he won the Call Me by Your Name. You said ninety six. Yeah. What was it? It was 94. Yeah, so he beat me by like one spot. If I yes, guessed 92, he, I would have won. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay, so it's 4-2. to two. Uh, Jake has the lead. What was it uh, We're back to classics now. It's the 2017 classic, XXX Reser- Return of Xander Cage, starring Vin Diesel. I, 21%. I'm going to go an even 50. Oh. <sighs> Alex won that. It's forty four percent. Oh wow! Cause, yeah, because I knew that definitely wasn't going to be good. But like, I feel if like it's Vin Diesel, the audience is going to be cracked for like no 20. reason. <laughs> three to three to four. Dang. Okay. Uh, now we got another Charlie Coffin movie. We got being John Malkovich. Ooh. Ninety nine special. Well, Malkovich is Malkovich. I'm gonna that. go eighty eight percent. That's a good one, dude. Ninety. It's 94. Yes! Oh, we're tied. <laughs> tied with three Clap to go. For yourself. I'm right. <laughs> Come back, sirs, now. Okay. Um, we have the s- groundbreaking special effects film, uh, The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D. That is the entire title of the movie. 23. So, which one? Wait, is- in 3D. Is in this- 3D. This that- is the one with Taylor Lautner, right? Yes. Okay, 23. What other? <laughs> oh no, the Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in two D. <laughs> uh, well, I've I've only seen the two D one, Ben. So I don't think this question is fair. Well, then you don't deserve to get this. sixteen uh, percent. It's nineteen percent. Oh wait, he won. No, I I said twenty three. You won. Oh, I won! <laughs> Damn it! No, wait, no. We got two. We got two. One. We got two more left. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you win this one, then you win the whole Fuck. thing. Okay. I should never be in. I should never compete in these again. This is the actual good lineup. Uh, okay, we got Zombieland, two thousand nine. Oh no, that's gonna be seventy six percent. Alex, oh my god, that's a good guess. I really love. I love Zombieland, but I know like it's not a universally loved movie. Would you guess seventy six? Yep. Yep. 
77. <laughs> you bastard. It's 89%. Oh, you get it. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say 80. So. Okay, nice. Sudden death. Nice, nice. Sudden death. And what better film to end it on than the 2015 Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell classic, Daddy's Home? Daddy's Damn home. it. Damn it. I knew, I knew it was going to be Daddy's Home. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna go with a solid fifty-eight percent. Fifty-eight. Oh yep. no. Well, okay. So what I'm going between forty-eight and sixty-four. Would you guess fifty-eight? You can't, you can't guess ranges. No, I'm getting. I'm, I'm trying to narrow it down. Yeah, Ben, I'll go uh, between one and ninety-nine. Shut up. All right. What'd you guess, Jake? <laughs> 58. You said 58. Daddy, wait, the first one or the second first one? First, Daddy's Home, the classic. I think 64 is too high. 58. Fuck, 58 is good. 60. I don't know how it got a sequel because it got a 30 on Ron. Yes! No! No! <laughs> uh, Jake wins. Uh, round two of Ron Tomatoes guessing game. I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be one part. of those where like it's bad, but it's like kind of self aware, so it's not terrible. But I no, guess it's, it's just bad. I guess it's just, it's just bad. really bad. It got a sequel. <laughs> I fell asleep halfway through it. it all sad. right, Ben. So look for three more movies. We're calling Nate. Oh yeah, friend of the go. program, Nate Magic, coming on the line. Does he know you're gonna call him? Nope. So Jake. Oh, nice. Jake goes up against him, right? Yep. I I'll go up against him. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna pick old French films that you won't know, Jake. What's up? Welcome to the air. Nathan Moglian is joining us on the Turbo Team yeah. Podcast Network phone. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing peachy keen. <laughs> yeah. So so we got some good news and bad news, Nate. Well, which one do you want first? Oh, great. Oh, the bad news, of course. Uh, the bad news is you got to go against me. <laughs> good news. What's he going up against him in? Uh, the good news is we're guessing the Rotten Tomatoes score of uh, three movies that Ben's about to find. Oh, yep. Okay. You excited? You think I'm going to pick a good one? Uh, uh, not really. I don't have a lot of faith in uh, <laughs> the old Ben. So, Why not? So, Nate, what are you up to right now? We're curious. I, 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 Literally nothing, actually. I just stopped playing Overwatch, so you're kind of lucky. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we caught you at a good time. No reading in the... Look in the living two. room. Look up too. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. So Alex and Ben are currently. Uh, I have. So I have one. I have one. Get another, and then when we I do yours, I'll find one. All right. Okay. We're gonna start the game. Uh, it's gonna be only five movies because we don't want to keep uh, our special guest too long. Um, but uh, best out of five, uh, close Rotten Tomato score wins. All right. So uh, Nate, what do you think is the Rotten Tomato score for Juno from two thousand seven? Juno, oh gosh. Um, 83. Okay. Jake? 72, Ben. It's 94. Oh, oh wow. 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 Holy, that's really high. I didn't realize people like Juno that much. People love Juno. Man. Getting shown up on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one round. Uh, the second round, though, is the Mel Gibson classic, Braveheart. <laughs> What do you think's the score for that? Uh, 65. Like 97? Uh, it's 78. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? 97? Then no, Braveheart just, was in your I'm, top 10, Nate. <laughs> I don't think it is. I just thought the general critical consensus was a lot higher on that dumb movie. I think it's like a 42. Right, Recently, one. like on a on a Oscars best of list, uh, it got put like pretty low for like the worst uh, best picture winners. Yeah. All right. As it should. That movie sucks. You guys ready? <laughs> I, yeah. got, I got a doozy. The 2012 animated picture Ice Age. Ooh. <laughs> uh, 90. Nate, you can guess first. Your turn. Oh, my God. Uh, 72. Gosh dang it, that's what I was going to guess. Uh, I am pretty sure by Alex's facial expression, he got it on the dot, so I'll guess a uh, solid 100%. 77. Oh, dang it, he didn't get it right on the dot. <laughs> I wasted my guess. 
Ice Age 2 got a 57, so. Amazing. So Nate's up 2-1. He's He needs one to clinch. All right. Um, oh now boy. we got uh, Stephen King's favorite adaptation choke. to film. There's uh, five Ice Age movies. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. <laughs> what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes oh, score is for that? 94%. 96%. Whoa, it's actually an 84%. Oh, wow. What? It's an 84. Good thing, good thing Nate was a little more off than me. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at the... That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it has a tomato meter of 84, but the audience score is 93, so... Yeah. Critics hated it? I don't... What? <laughs> so, what's the final movie? Uh, did Nate win already? No. No, it's 2-2. Two to two. Oh. Dang, I was, really, I was really banking on that. <laughs> you don't have one? No, I do. Okay. Um... Uh, I'm just gonna take a guess that uh, Nate hadn't seen it, but we'll just go with this. Um, Jake's gonna be really scared if he loses this one on his own podcast. But what do you think the score is for The Exorcist? Oh, from '73. I've definitely the original looked, Exorcist. I've looked at this one before. Um. And I know that the audience score and the Rotten Tomatoes score are completely flipped, but I don't know which way. Uh, then pick one of them. I'm going to go with a 74%. Oh, I'm going to go with a 90. Nate wins. It's an 83. Wait. <sighs> Nate wins. Nate wins by just one. I think <laughs> if you guessed 94, you guys would have been. Or you, If you guessed a 94, you would have won. Wait, so what was it, Ben? It was, it was 83. an 83. 83 so Audio yeah. score was 87. Really? Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of, well, congrats, Nate. You. Uh... <laughs> so I had one pulled up in case Ben couldn't find one. I had American Psycho, 70%. Really? Yeah. That's one of the most iconic of all time. Yeah. Well, Nate, we want to thank you for coming on the Turbo Team Podcast Network. As always, our phone number is uh, 515-508-1299. Feel free to call in to... Do you our... yourself? I don't care. No one listens to this. Isaac's number. Uh, uh, feel free to call into our pre-recorded podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that is not live. But anyways, uh, thanks, Nate. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> that was so worth the bit. <laughs> so worth not having him have the final word. <laughs> he didn't say anything after he won. <laughs> he didn't get to say anything after he won. <laughs> All right. Well... We got him on a leash. Podcast over, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. As always, follow us on socials, uh, watch movies, uh, tweet at us, whatever. Thanks for listening. I'm kind of mad I lost to Nate. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.